The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Turn, if you will, take your, your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of uh, James. James chapter 4. Open those Bibles there. James 4 will continue as we walk through this. I got to tell you, though, I'm probably going to leave most of my notes behind because as you're turning to James 4, uh, I don't know about you, but I was absolutely wrecked. Um, watching that Tim Keller video overlay earlier. And just, I I can't even talk now. You know, I sat down there and I couldn't quit crying as we were singing. And I thought, boy, I I cut out soy because I heard soy produces estrogen. And so I cut out soy milk, you know, and why am I crying like this? I don't know why I'm crying like this. And and I, I promise you, uh, to, to the guys in the room, I don't typically just cry, right? But I was just absolutely wrecked at the thought, that just, the, just captured by this. All of history has been this attempt on the part of man to get right with God because we know sin separates us from God. And all of the Bible is this unfolding, this story pointing to all of the Old Testament, all of it pointed to God's answer in Christ. That Jesus is the better Adam. That He is the better Isaac. That He is the better Moses. That He is the better Esther. That, that all of those were pointing to Jesus one day coming and laying His life down for us. He who had no sin of His own became sin for us to take our place. And, and I was just absolutely wrecked by that. And, uh, and every time I would start to try to sing part of what we were singing, Ethan, I was just, I couldn't open my, my mouth because I just, I couldn't do that and I, without just bawling. And uh, I was trying to hold it back so much. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should be free to show a little more emotion um, as long as it's rightly ordered within the context of, of Scripture. But I was holding it back so much that now my side is cramping. From uh, everybody, you ever had that? You ever had a cramp in your side because you laughed so hard? I got a cramp in my side because I was trying to hold back just this emotion of overwhelmed of what God has done in Christ. And as we sang that song, Jesus is better, make my heart believe. Um, I was overwhelmed with my, with my own inability sometimes to even want to believe because I... I choose so many times other things that promise to be better than He is. And every time I've been let down by those things. And I don't know why I keep going back to those. And I don't know, maybe I think you can probably resonate with me. Why do I keep going back to those things when I know in my head Jesus is better? So I, I'm, I'm wrecked. I don't know what the sermon I'll, I'll say in the middle of this. Um, I, I, who knows? I'm going to leave my notes, but I'm still going to preach the passage, and, and we'll see what God does with this. Because I believe in this passage, James is dealing with this very issue of make my heart believe. Uh, let's look at this. Let's just read it, and, and we'll dive in, and we'll see where the Spirit goes as we walk through this text. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. James says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Read through that. I can't help but to think that, that there are some in this very room, maybe all of us, who have experienced these very things that this text addresses. I think the key to understanding this text is in those He will statements. There are three He will statements in this passage. In verse 7, in verse 8, and in verse 10. Look at verse 7. He says, He will flee from you. Uh, verse, talk, there in verse 7, talking about the devil. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Anybody ever felt defeated? Have you ever, just let down the guard for a second and, and be honest with me. Have you ever felt like, I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I, I want to please God with my obedience and my behavior. But have you ever felt like you just were never going to get past a certain sin? Have you, have you ever been there at that point where you felt like the devil, he was just whipping on you. He, was just, he just had your number and you, you can't seem to get out from under him. And here's this promise and it seems so empty for you because you think, I, I've, I've tried this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. No, he didn't. Well, I want us to look at this as we go through another he will statement. Verse 8, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Have you ever felt, Christian, have you ever felt like God was so far from you that you prayed and it just felt like you were praying to the ceiling or praying to the wall or the, the words were just not even quite getting out of your mouth before they fell to the floor with weight because you felt like you were so far away from God. And here this promise says He will draw near to you. Draw near to Him. He will draw near to you. Is this an empty promise that we cannot trust in? Hang with me. The other He will statement is in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Have you ever felt diminutive? Small? No matter how many times you tried, there was always someone who was a little better than you. I felt this way all day yesterday in the golf scramble. Have you, ever, have you ever felt this way in your walk with the Lord that you feel like you ought to be here or you ought to be there? Or maybe it's not in the Christian walk, but maybe it's in your work or maybe it's with your kids or whatever it is. You just feel like you're just small and you're... You, you, you just don't know what to do. And here the Bible promises us that if we humble ourselves, He will exalt us. I want to tell you today that I think we can indeed count on these. These are not empty promises that, that are made by, uh, by God who has no power to do anything with them. I, I think part of our understanding of the the. The error is, though, in our understanding. We read these things and we, we live in a society where we want these things instantly. Or we want these things in a way that only makes sense to us or the way that we desire these things to be. Many of you saw the, the quote from Victoria Osteen this, this past week. Joel, Victoria Osteen, 
pastors of, of that church out in Houston, Texas, where she said that when we come to, to church to worship God, that it's, it's not really for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it, she said, but it's really for you. Because when, when you're happy, that makes God happy. So you just, you just be good and do good for you. Is, is, is that true? Is that accurate? Is that what God has determined to be reality? I think part of when we read the Bible, we read the Bible through these lenses of self. Today, I want us just to walk through this, and I want to show you that we can trust in these promises But oftentimes we're going about this the wrong way. In verse 7, he says there, submit yourselves therefore to God. I think part of the reason so many times we feel defeated or we feel distant or we feel diminutive is because we've not first submitted ourselves to God, but instead we spend way too much time submitted to Satan himself. You say, how could you say that? How could you say submitted to Satan I say that because we spend so much time listening to what he's putting out. I'm not standing up here going to preach an outward morality to you, but I am going to tell you that it does matter what you watch. It does matter what you listen to. It It matters. Because so much of that, don't forget what we looked at last week, that there is a prince of the power of the air. There is a ruler of this world that Satan is right now working through the channels of this world to, to push his world system. And if we just, without any discretion, take in whatever the culture is putting out to us, we are in some ways submitting ourselves to Satan rather than submitting ourselves to God. We also, he says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And then he says, resist the devil. I think we spend way too much time resisting God. I think we say, we, we hear things like, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And we say, boy, that's true. Amen. I hope somebody does that. And we actively resist God's call on us. What if, hear me, what if God were to call you to go to a place like Syria With the gospel. You say, I could never do that. I couldn't go there. It's too violent. It's too dangerous. We spend way too much time resisting God. The reality is God may do that. But the reality is for most of us, He's never going to call us to Syria. He's calling us to your neighbor. To the person that stands next to you at work. To talk to your own son. And we spend so much time resisting God, pushing back from God. Well, God, I don't know what I would say. And we come up with all the excuses as to why we cannot do that. Draw near to God. I think one of the things we do wrong as believers, particularly in America, is instead of drawing near to God, we don't spend so much time drawing near to God as we do drawing near to the world. 
This is very similar to what I started with, but we've just come out of verses 4 through 6 where he talks about friendship with the world is enmity with God. And he calls them adulterers because they want to be friends with the world. And, and in ancient Israel, in the first century, they, they most of the time didn't, and, and, and prior, prior to the first century, they most of the time didn't say, well, I'm going to set out to worship pagan gods and leave the God of the Bible behind. Instead, what they said was, I want to worship both. And I think as believers in the 21st century here in America, it is so easy for us to spend way too much time drawing close to the world. Through what we listen to and what we wear, we, we draw our cues from the world and we draw close to them and we want to be liked and we want to be... Listen, that struggle you felt, teenagers, every person in this room who has ever been through public school has felt that urge to want to be liked and be popular. It's not new with you. It is, it's been going on for ages. Every person in here has dealt with it. It is something deep within our hearts that is sinful and wrong. That we, we care more about what that person thinks about us than what God thinks about us. We care more about pleasing someone that we will leave one day and never probably see again than we do about the God that we will eventually see and stand face to face with. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. We, we, we struggle sometimes feeling defeated and, and, and distant from God and, and diminutive or small because we spend so much time with our hands in the dirt. We claim Christ and we claim to love Him and claim to want to please Him, but we spend so much time with our hands in the dirt of this world, in the filth of this world. And here God says, clean your hands. We look at that and we say, well, gee, we can't. You're right, we can't. Jesus is the, the better. But it doesn't mean that we take our hands off of it and just say, well, let go and let God. And we continue to live our life however we want to live. Instead, we've been called, the Bible says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. We've lost this, we've lost this essence, this, this idea of discipline. In a day and age where, where kids are given trophies just for showing up, it is translated into the church to say, it doesn't matter what I do, what I watch, what I look at, what I listen to. God loves me. He'll forgive me. He has to. There's a word that I want to say here, but I'm not going to say it. But that's not true. It's not true. We cannot come to, the, to, to God that way. Grace is for the humble, verse 6 says. Not for the proud. Verse 6 says God opposes the proud. If we come with the attitude of, it doesn't matter what my hands are in. My hands can be dirty. God has to receive me anyway. I realize that we are saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. I, I get that. But once, once we are saved, our lives ought to look different. Purify your, your hearts, you double-minded. We spend so much time aligned, drawing close to the world, 
that our, our, our minds are pulled in different directions. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Here, here's one. Be wretched, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. The world looks at that verse and they say, why would I want to come to Christ when you're commanded to be wretched and to mourn and to turn your laughter to gloom? Let me tell you why. Because we live in such an entertainment-saturated society that we're addicted to laughter. And we laugh at stuff that is not funny. We laugh at things that should make us cry. Comedians make living on the tragedies of life, spending them to entertain. And what God is here saying to us is, quit treating your sin as if it's just some funny little thing. Take it seriously, he says. Do you remember, do, do you remember what Jesus said? And I, I've, I've shared this so many times, but do you remember what Jesus said? If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Jesus is saying the same thing that James is saying here. Take your sin seriously. Quit laughing at the thing that is going to kill you. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. And then he says, humble yourselves before the Lord. I think our culture, we as, not just our culture, but in the church, we as Christians, we struggle with this. We struggle with humility, don't we? We struggle with humility. Do you remember what I told you it meant last week? The word humble literally means not rising far from the ground. We ought to be a people that we don't put ourselves in the dirt unnecessarily. And here I mean not the dirt of this world. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't just be down on ourselves unnecessarily. But we ought to be the most humble people on the planet. We, we ought to be the first to admit when we've made a mistake. I was just overwhelmed over there at what, what, what has been done for me in Christ. Because I know the condition of my heart. I know the thoughts that I have. I know the things that I do that you don't know about, that I don't want you to ever find out about. You know the things that are true about you. We ought to be the most humble people in the world, seeking to be holy, to please our God, not in order to be made right with God. That's only through grace. But we ought to be people that want to say, Jesus, I want to live my life in such a way to please you. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to drag your name through the mud. I don't want people to think ill of you because of the way I live or the way I speak or the way I think or the pride that's in my life. I think the answer for all of these things, when, when we feel defeated by Satan, people come and they sit and they say, 
What is it? Why, why can't I ever get past this? Why can't I get victory over this? I understand that sometimes there are things that you will struggle with for a long, long time. But lots of times, the challenge of, of a pastor sitting in a counseling situation is to be gut-level honest with the person who comes to you. And they say, I just can't seem to get victory over this. Well, one of the things I have to do to you is to say, look, then how are you submitting to, to the devil and, in, and, and resisting God in this area? How are you drawing close to the world? And we have to find where that is because it's not just some ethereal out there, maybe this is sort of an attitude I have. Lots of times there's a specific action that is going on in your life that is lingering and giving Satan an entrance into your life, a foothold to be able to hang around. When, when here the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, sometimes that's instantly, but more times than not, it's not instantly. Think about this. Think about when Jesus was in the wilderness with, with, and, and Satan came to, to tempt him there. Satan came, tempted him. Jesus quotes Scripture. Satan comes back, tempts Jesus. Jesus quotes Scripture. Satan comes back, tempts Jesus. Jesus quotes Scripture. It was a labor of having to work against, to stand against. This, this language here is military language for standing against in battle. Jesus labors against the devil's attacks for a while before Satan leaves. And when Satan leaves, does Satan leave for good? No. Satan, oftentimes, when you labor at resisting the devil, oftentimes he will leave only to come back at another opportunity. Because what he wants you to, to think is that, well, I must have victory over this. I'm good with this. And when you let that guard down, he comes back in. Think of it this way. I, I read one commentator. I'm going I'm to close up in just a second. But I read one commentator say it this way, that if you go to a doctor and a doctor says to you, look, your blood pressure is really high. What I need you to do is I need you to cut out salt. I need you to cut out fried foods. I need you to cut out chocolate. I need you to cut out all these things. I need you to make some dietary changes. You're going to need to eat you know, grilled chicken, grilled fish. You're going to eat, need to eat a lot of leafy vegetables and that sort of thing. And if you're like me, you don't like things like that. And you like a lot of things like this. And I leave that doctor's office and I say, boy, I'm sure glad that the doctor told me that because all those cravings are gone. Is that what I say? You know, I go to my wife and I say, you won't believe what he said to me. How am I going to do this? Right? And I make a decision in the morning. And I fight it and I make a decision at lunch. And I fight it and I make a decision at supper. And I fight it and I make a decision when I'm sitting on the couch watching TV at night. Because we all know that's when the real food comes out, Right? I don't have blood pressure issues. The doctor's not said this to me. But if he said this to you, the craving doesn't go away instantly. Some of you are going to have to labor and fight against that for a long time before those cravings really diminish. And they may never diminish all the way. That's the reality of it. And the same thing will happen as long as you live on this planet because you're always, as a believer, always going to have an enemy who is always trying to, to seek you out to devour you. 
Part of what his name means is to separate you from God. And that's his task. And so here when the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, there is truth there can, that can be held on to. The Bible says that he will always provide a way of escape. But the Bible also gives us this imagery, Ephesians 6, of putting on this armor to war against. We can, we can trust in these promises, but we, we often misunderstand them. I think we can trust in, in the fact that the Bible here tells us that if we'll draw near to God, He will draw near to us. Some of the ways we do that, church, is, is this right here. But if, if this right here is not drawing near to you, because this right here, this gathering in this room, can be nothing more than gathering in this room. This can be an exercise. This can be a, a part of your week. And you can check it off. Just because you were here doesn't mean that you necessarily drew close to God. But this can be one of the most powerful, impacting times of drawing close to God in your week. Let me tell you, I had no idea that I was going to be wrecked this morning. I mean, literally, all I could think about standing over there was, I feel like I've just been in a car wreck. I didn't, I didn't anticipate this. This came out of nowhere. This can be, this corporate gathering of worship can be an incredibly powerful time of drawing near. But it can also be in your private devotion. Getting alone with God and opening the Bible and saying, God, your word is truth. God, would you speak to me? Lord, if I'm going to take physical food into my body today, I also need spiritual food. God, would you feed me from your word today? Draw close to him. He will draw close to you. Stop drawing so close to the world. I thought about this. When the Bible here tells us to be pure, to purify our hearts, to cleanse our hands, part of the reason that we struggle with that is because we spend so much time with our hands in the dirt and the muck and the mire and the sin of this world that this sin and muck and mire and dirt of this world is no longer shocking to us. My wife last night was putting some lotion on my back. And... Uh, the, the, the proper way to apply lotion to someone's back is to squirt it in your hands first and rub it together. You know what I'm talking about? Before you apply this to someone's back. You do not squirt the lotion from the bottle onto someone's back. Because as I was laying there just about to go to sleep, <sighs> you know, that image last night was just indelibly burned into my mind as I was going to sleep that that's the way sin should be to us. That we should have such an aversion to sin that it shocks us when we hear that. When we're around it. But instead, we spend so much time there that we're like that frog in the kettle that has just gotten used to the temperature. Last one, and, and, and I'm done. He says here, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Stop trying to exalt yourself. If God is God, and He is running this, this universe, and He's told you that He loves you, and He's shown you that He loves you, and sending you His Son, and He's called you to mission, and He's promised to come back one day, 
then why do we have to spend so much time trying to elevate ourselves and put ourselves on a certain plane? Why can we not be? I'm all for having ambition and drive, but why can we not be a people that say, whatever stage, whatever platform God puts me on in life, I'm good with. God, you use me wherever you think is best for me. I love what David Platt said, who's just become the president of the International Mission Board, who's just had to, to leave, resign pastoring Brook Hills. I love what he said as he's backpacking through Nepal. Mega, mega church pastor, celebrity pastor, although he would not want that title, could, could literally stay there at Brook Hills and probably coast out all of his days. And I love the fact that in, in his backpacking through Nepal, taking the gospel to people, he said he would, you would walk five and, and six days before you would encounter someone who had ever, ever even heard the name of Jesus. As he's walking through there, he's praying, God, I don't know that you want me to be the pastor of the church at Brook Hills any longer. God, would you put me wherever you think is best for my life to be used for your kingdom? If, if David Platt, one of the most influential, one of the most exalted men on the planet in our circles and beyond can have that attitude, then why can't we? Why, why can't we? Why can't we say, God, wherever you want to use me, use me. If you're struggling, feeling defeated, distant from God, diminutive, take a look at this passage. There may be some other issues going on, and we can talk about those. I'd love to talk with you. But I'm telling you, you can count on God's Word. Amen? He will flee from you. Satan will. God will draw close to you. And God will exalt you to whatever position he has for your life as long as you're here. Trust him in that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, uh, God, we thank you for your word. And God, I'm so thankful for your spirit. I'm so thankful, God, that you've taught me afresh today that you love your church more than I love your church that you want to see them grow, that you want to see them love you and trust you more than I want to. And God, so many times I, I, I lose sight of that, and I think that if, there's ever, if, 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 if anything good's going to have to happen, it's, it's going to be because I've got I to do this, I've got to do that. And God, I thank you that at the end of the day, I can simply lean and rely on your word and your spirit. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray that you would lead us beyond where we are. God, I pray that you would deal with sin in our lives. That you would lead us to repent. God, that you would lead us to trust you completely. God, help us to draw close to you. Help us to turn away from Satan, from the world, from the things of this world. And God, that we might pour out our lives, our one life here, for the glory of your name, wherever you might put us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing in response. And I want you to sing. I want you to, to respond in what we sing. And just, just sing to God.
Sing these things that are true about him and sing to him and respond. Let these things sink in to you. I'm also going to be down here on the front. I'm seated up here. If, if you're here and you need to talk, whether it's about trusting Christ, you've never done that, or whether it's about something that's been brought up today in the sermon, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. There's nothing magical about praying with the pastor. I am a man like you. I'm, I'm a person like you. I don't have any closer relationship with the Lord than you do. I'm sinful like you are. But thank God we've got a mediator in Christ. Amen? But if I can help you, I would love to help you. Maybe you want to come and kneel and pray. Maybe you want to go to the prayer room and pray. Whatever. Just be obedient to God. Let's worship Him as we respond to His Word. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.